Our children and young people are going to head off for their activities. Uh, children through that door over there, young people are going to head over the road that way. Uh, when the roads are clear, if you'd like to take a seat. some uh, bands of marriage to read. Uh, I published the bands of marriage of Samuel McCloskey of Christchurch Gypsy Hill and Elizabeth Marston, also Christchurch Gypsy Hill, and with a close connection with this parish, and uh, Jonathan Ayres and Emma Caldwell, also of this parish. Uh, Lord, we ask your blessing upon these couples, Sam and Lizzie, uh, Jonathan and Emma, Lord, we pray your blessing upon them. Lord, we pray you'd watch over them, uh, guide them and protect them as they approach their married uh, life together. Uh, Lord, we pray for all the preparations. Uh, we pray they would go well and we pray that you draw them closer to one another and closer to you in the coming weeks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, just a couple of notices from me. You'll see you've got some, uh, a little card display over there. there those are um, pictures of St. Giles that have been painted by uh, a local artist lady called Li uh, Sue, who lives in Lady Bay, friend of Adrian. Uh, she's here this morning. She's selling uh, Christmas cards, pictures, cards, that kind of thing. So uh, before you go, do please go and have a look at those. Um, if you want to um, make an order, I'm sure that will be fine and she'll be around at the end of the service. Uh, and also to say that uh, this evening at 7.30, we have the second in our three series of talks that um, Ian Paul uh, is doing for us on the area of uh, faith, uh, image, self-image, and sexuality, gender identity, all of that kind of stuff. Um, I'll be really honest with you. Um, he was really, really good last week. It was the first one. He was really good. I was really disappointed that there was hardly anyone there uh, from St. Giles. So this is not to kind of guilt you into coming uh, but it's just to say he, he, he was really good he was good and uh, these are issues that are so important uh, if not perhaps personally uh, to us then certainly to family members uh, friends colleagues um, people we know uh, we will all at some point or another be invited uh, to a same-sex wedding uh, we will all at some time or another uh, be asked what we think as a Christian about people transitioning from one gender uh, to another uh, so if you haven't thought about those issues, and I'm not going to tell you what you should think this morning, if you haven't thought about those issues, uh, you probably do need to start to think about them. And Ian, in a very, very gentle and sensitive way, is going to help us think together uh, what the key issues are. Uh, so I commend that to you. Not going to go on and on and on about it. It's at 7.30 this evening, uh, the second talk, particularly uh, looking at the area of faith and sexuality. And the talk last week, I'll put on our website this afternoon. Uh, if you go to sermons and look there, it'll be there if you want to have a quick catch-up on what happened last week. Okay. We just sang about a storm. I will sing in the middle of the storm. I'm going to read 
about a storm. And I'm going to read from Matthew's Gospel. I'm going to read from Matthew uh, chapter 14, uh, beginning at verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. When he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Let's pray. Holy Father, we pray that you would bless the reading of your word. That in what we've just heard read already, you'd be speaking to us. We trust you'd be speaking to us by your spirit. Lord, I pray that you'd take care of the words that I've uh, prepared. And through them, you'd speak to us afresh. And that you would encourage us and renew our trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah, just go through this reading more or less verse by verse and just a few reflections or comments on the different verses as we go. Just things to notice um, in this story that will be familiar to some of us and I guess uh, quite new to others of us too. First of all, the first uh, two verses. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Let me give you the context of what's happened here. Jesus has just had a really full day. Uh, we've got the story of the feeding of the uh, 5,000. Jesus has been ministering uh, all day t- with his disciples, uh, teaching, explaining to the people who he is, telling them about his kingdom. And uh, there's been the miraculous feeding of the 5,000 little boy. You know, he's five loaves, two fishes, uh, miraculous feeding. Jesus uh, provides more than they need, and then they go. Jesus sends the disciples on ahead of him. He says, you get in the boat, off you go to where we're going next. 
I'm going to go up onto the mountainside. I'm going to withdraw and I'm going to spend a bit of time praying. And we know that Jesus was his, this was his practice. We know that he would often go out to the lonely places, uh, the deserted places, uh, sometimes early in the morning, sometimes late at night. He, the son of God, the most kind of gregarious person I can imagine, the most person you would want to be around, and he who would want to be around others. Um, my wife comes a close second, but Jesus, I think, uh, just pips it. He would need time to withdraw and to be alone. And we think, or we read into this, well, that's because he was the son of God. That's because he was so spiritual. That's because he needed that time to commune with his father. That's because he needed heavenly direction and guidance. And of course it is. Of course it is. But look at what has just happened before this feeding of the 5,000. If you're following in the Bibles, you'll see how chapter 14 begins. Jesus' cousin is John the Baptist. John the Baptist has spent his uh, ministry, his adult life, uh, telling people about the one who is to come, the Messiah. Telling them about Jesus, who's going to be their hope, who's going to be the king who they're waiting for. He's called the Baptist because he baptizes people in repentance for their sins their sins if Jesus had anything kind of approaching a kind of partner in ministry right at the very beginning somebody who went before him it would be John the Baptist John the Baptist is not uh, not popular with the powerful of his day and he is killed he's beheaded and we read the story of that in John chapter 14 king asks that the head of John the Baptist is brought to him. Verse 11, his head was brought in on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. John to the disciples came and took his body and they buried it. Then they went and told Jesus, When Jesus heard what happened, he withdrew by a boat privately to a solitary place. Jesus withdrew to a solitary place. Because as we read at the end of this chapter, he is the son of God. And also because he is the son of man. He's a human being like you and I. He hears that his cousin has been horribly killed, his body mutilated. And Jesus withdraws to a solitary place. He ministers all day. He carries on with the job he's been given to do. And then at the end of the day, he withdraws to a solitary place. And so my first lesson is this, my first reflection is this, is sometimes we need to withdraw If sometimes Jesus needed to withdraw, if sometimes Jesus needed to go to a lonely place, if sometimes Jesus needed to just take time out, then we too need to withdraw. If you want to, um, turn with me to Psalm 142. 
Uh, like a lot of the Psalms, it tells you when it was written and who wrote it and what the background uh, to it is. And Psalm 142, it tells you this. A song of David, when he was in the cave, a prayer. And you think, when was David in a cave? If you know the story of David, he was a shepherd boy. Uh, Through a series of circumstances, he's elected to become a a commander in the king's army. He marries into the uh, royal family. He's somebody who is very much on the up. And King Saul becomes jealous. And he decides he's had enough of David. So he sacks him from the army. He sends his wife away. And he sends men to kill David. And everybody who had supported David uh, flee away. And he's left on his own and he goes on the run. And they think it's for about 10 years he's on the run. And at his lowest point, he hides in a cave. He withdraws to a lonely place. And he prays. And Psalm 142 is his prayer. I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before him. Before him, I tell him my troubles. My spirit grows faint within me. It's you who know my way. In the path where I walk, men have hidden a snare for me. Look to my right and see, no one is concerned for me. I have no refuge, no one cares for my life. I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. Ever feel like that? Ever pray like that? I pour out my complaint before him. Before him, I tell him my trouble. I think that's the kind of prayer that Jesus prayed in the lonely place when he uh, needed to have some time alone. That's the kind of prayer you can pray. So that's the first lesson. Sometimes we need to withdraw. Second uh, lesson, we don't always recognize Jesus We don't always recognize Jesus in the midst of the storm. The boat was a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. We do not always recognize him. Sometimes the storm is overwhelming. Sometimes uh, our vision is obscured. Sometimes we kind of know he's there, but we can't see him. We know he's present, but we can't feel him. This uh, story is uh, told again in the different Gospels, and it's interesting because it's told too in Mark's Gospel. And it's told in uh, Mark chapter 6. And it's interesting because in Mark chapter 4, we have another story of a storm and Jesus and the disciples. 
In Mark chapter 4, Jesus is in the boat with his disciples. A storm uh, comes up. Uh, they fear they're going to sink. The boat's kind of rocking. Jesus is asleep. They wake Jesus up and they say to him, don't you care about us? And Jesus said, don't be afraid. And he says, wind be still and the storm is calmed and the, the sea is calmed and they continue on their way. Same people, same Jesus, might have been a different boat. I quite like it to be the same boat because it works better. But a boat, Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 6, only two chapters later, they're in a storm. They're worried they're going to sink. There's a figure walking to a... Surely somebody kind of went, we've been here before. We've been here before. Have we ever seen anybody walking on water? Could it be? Might it be? Perhaps it's Jesus? They didn't recognize him. They were terrified. Any storms in your life? Any cyclical storms that kind of come and disappear and then a couple of years later they come back again? Illnesses, employment troubles, uh, relationships... Those stormy times. And every time we go, why has this happened? This has never happened to me before. Where is Jesus? And somebody goes, actually, this did happen before. I remember you telling me about this happening before. I remember Jesus being in the midst of that time. And you go, oh, oh, yeah. But they were terrified. Because storms are scary. Storms are frightening. Storms can be overwhelming. We don't always recognize Jesus in the midst of the storm. And what does Jesus do? And what does Jesus say? Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. So I was reflecting on this passage. I thought that, that's familiar and you kind of hope it will be familiar for a vicar because you kind of hope we do kind of know something about this stuff. Uh, but where else does Jesus say this? Uh, Jesus says, do not be afraid a lot. As you read through the Gospels, you realize he says, do not be afraid a lot. His first words, or the first words to the women who run to the tomb. Uh, he's been killed, he's been crucified. The women go to see what is, what's happening. Uh, you read uh, in the Gospels. Uh, Matthew's gospel, this gospel, uh, the women get there, the stone's been rolled away, they see an angel. What does the angel say? The angel says, do not be afraid. They run away, they're afraid. Jesus meets them. What does Jesus say? Do not be afraid. Go and tell my disciples that I am risen. You see Jesus in, uh, in John's gospel, 
see the account of where, what happens after that, where he meets the disciples, who have been told that he is alive, who know that the tomb is empty. What does Jesus say to them? Peace to you. Do not be afraid. Why does he keep saying this? Why does he keep reminding us of this? Because he knows what we are like. Because he is human. And because at times he too has been afraid. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, and in the wilderness, and in the desert, he's been strengthened and fortified by the presence of his Father. And now in the midst of their fears, in the midst of their storm, in the midst of their uncertainty, Jesus says to them, do not be afraid. And he says, do not be afraid because I am with you. It's not just do not be afraid, psych yourself up, build yourself up, you can do it. It's do not be afraid for I am with you. Sometimes we need to withdraw. We don't always recognize Jesus. He comes to us in the midst of the storm and he says, do not be afraid. Fourth reflection. Faith begins, endures, and ends in looking at Jesus. Faith begins, endures, and ends in looking at Jesus. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? Faith begins, endures, and ends in looking at Jesus. I told this story before, I'll tell it again because it's a good one. Uh, most terrifying uh, moment of my life was a couple of years ago on holiday, a uh, skiing holiday. I'm not a skier, uh, really, really I'm not a skier, but you know, giving it a go and it's going well, it's okay. Uh, the kids are doing fantastically well. As the week goes on, we kind of get a little bit more adventurous, a little bit more adventurous. And there was one ski run that we could see uh, from the, the, the kind of cable car that we went over every day. And at the beginning of the week, it looked really scary. But by the end of the week, it was like, oh, we can do that. We'll be okay. Uh, so me and Ethan, my eldest, uh, we decided on our last day that we would go down this uh, ski run. And we started off, and uh, initially it was fine. And it started to get steeper and steeper and steeper. And I started to fall and fall and fall and fall and fall. And so I got to the point where I thought, I am going to die. I am going to die. I'm looking down. It's just ice. It's sheer. It's terrifying. I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't go up. I can't go down. I can't move. Uh, 
my son comes and skis alongside me. He's going, going uh, uh, Dad, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm trying to stay alive is what I'm doing. I'm trying to stay alive. I just need a moment, okay? I just need a moment. And uh, he gives me two pieces of advice. It's kind of humbling when you receive advice from your children, isn't it? Two pieces, two pieces of advice. Okay. Number one, don't look down. Okay? Don't look down. Look down that slope. It is terrifying. Don't look down. Number two, follow me. That's all you need to do. Just follow me. Okay. Got me up on my feet. We really slowly inched our way across the slope. Left to right, left to right, backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. Really slow. Snow plowing all the way. Our eyes locked on the back of his head. Don't look down. I'm not going to die. Follow him. Don't look down. I'm not going to die. Follow him. Finally, we made it to the bottom. I'd done it. Hooray. It was fine. No problem at all. It was easy. <laughs> Never went on it again. Faith begins, endures, and ends in looking at Jesus. Writer to Hebrews describes it like this. Let us look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Peter looks around, he sees the waves, he looks at the wind. He begins to sink. Jesus grabs him by the hand and pulls him out. Look to Jesus. Fifthly, final one. Deliverance leads to worship. Deliverance leads to worship. Verse uh, 32. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is a theme that we see again and again throughout Scripture. Uh, deliverance leads to worship what do you do when you've been saved what you do do you've been rescued what do you do when you've been delivered you worship it's spontaneous you can't you can't help yourself what does the what does the prodigal son do when he returns home the father kill the calf we're going to have a party we're going to have a celebration in the old testament the people of god they they cross the red sea uh, they are delivered, they're freed, they enter into the promised land. What happens? Uh, Moses breaks out into song and there is worship and praise. Deliverance leads to worship. I read to you Psalm 141. Let me read you Psalm 145. Psalm 145? Yeah. Same David, later in life, reflecting on his life and the way that the Lord has delivered him time and time again. Verse 8, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all, he has compassion on all he has made. All you have made will praise you, O Lord, your saints will extol you. Moving on, verse 17. 
The Lord is righteous in all his ways, loving towards all he has made. The Lord is near to all who call on him, all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Amen. Sometimes we need to withdraw. We don't always recognize Jesus. Do not be afraid. Faith begins, endures, and ends in looking at Jesus. Deliverance leads to worship. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord, I pray for us today. And Lord, I pray that we would take these words to heart. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, not just now, but later on in the day or perhaps in this week, when uh, storms arise. And that in remembering this story, in remembering this morning, we would hear your words afresh. Do not be afraid. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When the band are going to come and lead us.